0: Hey everybody, it's Monday, and this is Mark. Welcome to another episode of this Poor Pastor's Podcast. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Can you promise that I will come back? No, and if you do, you will not be the same. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. I know you doubt me. I I know you always have. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. And saved him out of all his troubles, troubles, troubles. Hey everyone, I am really wanting to apologize. I did not get an episode released yesterday. I did, well, I'll tell you about that in a minute. Um, but it, so it's Tuesday, it's not Monday when this goes out, and I'm so sorry. But I'm here, and I hope that you're going to take a chance to listen to this episode. I am just going to kind of talk from my heart a little bit. I had an incredible weekend and I just want to talk to you about it and share some of the things with you. I want to talk about focus and things that I think are important for us to be focusing on in this next year. And I want to encourage you and I want to make you smile and I want the end of this episode for you to be just ready to dive into your life, to your faith community your church and just really really dig into what's important it's hard sometimes not to lose focus on those things And sometimes I lose focus on what's really important in my ministry and in my life does that ever happen to you if not then you can just sit here and smile as I talk to you about what goes on in my life but if it does affect you as well I hope it'll be an encouragement to you Hitting a reset button today, let's give that a try. If you and I went to get coffee and we sat down and you said, how was your week? This episode is going to be very much along those lines of how my week was. I recorded an episode and had it uploaded and ready to go for Monday, but then Sunday night, I went onto the platform and just, I deleted the episode. It wasn't what I wanted to say. I pre-recorded it because I knew I was going to be gone. A couple of weeks ago, we lost an incredible friend a man who was a deacon at the first church that i pastored i've only pastored two i was 25 years old and this man was one of a group of 5 men who gave me a chance who presented me to the church after interviewing me and he was a deacon And he was a deacon for the entirety of almost 11 years that I pastored in North Carolina. And he was a good man. And he passed away a couple of weeks ago. And three Saturdays ago. When he did, I said, I've got to go to that funeral. I know it's impossible to go to every funeral, and this was a long way away, but... Solomon said, Thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not. This man was an incredible friend to me, and his family was hurting, and they're special to me as well. And so I got in my vehicle and I drove 16 hours to spend the weekend with them. I left on Thursday. I got in on Friday morning. I was there for Friday. I was there for Saturday. I was there for Sunday. Monday morning at 5.30, I left, and I got home last night at around 9.30, straight through driving. I'm exhausted, but my heart is so full. And I had a chance to sit with this family. I stayed with them in their home, had a chance to sit with this family, and we talked, we laughed. I I did what it is that I feel I do the best. I entered into someone's life in a time when they were really hurting. I don't know, for me, I feel like I never feel more in line with what God has called me to do than when I do that. And I loved these people, and we cried together. I had the privilege of speaking for a few moments at at, uh, my friend's funeral, and I cried there too, and I laughed. We all change as we grow. If I had done a funeral like that when I was 25, I would have just been like a stoic, and everything would have just been regimented, and I would have focused on beautiful words. And I still tried to bring the right words, but, man, I cried. We had a wonderful, wonderful service. Sorrow, laughter, joy, celebrating the life of a wonderful, wonderful man. And as I was sitting in my room Sunday night, packing up, getting ready to go to bed so that I could get up early in the morning and leave. And I thought about the episode that I had posted, not that there was anything wrong with it. I said, no, I just I'm gonna I'm gonna delete that one and I'm gonna wait and Tuesday when I get home, I'm just gonna sit down and I'm gonna talk. Do you know what, guys? I was reminded this weekend why I was in the ministry why I do what I do. There are a lot of things that are frustrating. We talk about them on this podcast, and I still get frustrated by them. I probably always will. It's frustrating dealing with the politics, dealing with the criticisms, dealing with the discouragement and the depression. But do you know being called of God to be A shepherd of God's people, and being able to walk into a family and try to help. We can't always help, and sometimes we're not able to help, but I love doing that work. I've often said that if I could do this work without pastoring, without the politics of pastoring, I would. We're coming up at our church on our annual meeting. It had to get postponed a week because I went out of town. And honestly, I, I do not get excited about our annual meeting at all. I hate politics. I hate politics in the church. I don't think churches should have business meetings. I don't agree with any of it. It's just nonsense, and I've I, I I've been clear with that within my church. We do it to fulfill the requirements of the state, But but that is exactly what it is. The only reason we have business meetings is because the state requires it of us. And we do it as minimally as possible. And no, we're not 501c3, so I suppose even the state doesn't require it of us. But um, I don't like the politics, the fighting and the bickering that that can come about as a result of it. I don't like the rat race of trying, to, of trying to produce ministries and having to deal with, you know, how you compare with this church or that church or the other. There's a, there's a lot of things. We, we've been talking the last couple of weeks about the Bible and why it's so frustrating to teach the Bible and to preach the Bible, but especially dealing with the institutionalized gatekeepers and so on and so forth. And it, that is so frustrating. And there have been times that I have conversations with guys, and I probably will again, where we just share frustrations for like an hour at a time. And I get that. We get frustrated because there is a lot of things. There is a lot of things. There are a lot of things. That's better. There are a lot of things in the ministry that are frustrating, and pastoral burnout is a real thing, and a lot of guys are walking away uh, I think that it is that there was there's been some studies already come out about it. I do think we're going to see pastors walking away from their pulpits uh, as this pandemic and all this nonsense continues on. All the, the online church, the in person church, and all of the pressures, and pastors are struggling. And I do think it, that pastors are going to walk away. And if you're in a church and you you're not the pastor, please, I'm I'm asking you to do everything you can to encourage your pastor. Uh, financially encourage him, um, emotionally encourage him, spiritually pray for him. Let him know you're praying for him, and be there to it. To because he may be smiling and he may not be saying anything, but this is a tough time for pastors, and so we get discouraged. And people can be discouraging, but you know what? The truth of the matter is. The thing that I love to do more than anything else and if if it's all I did and I didn't preach and I didn't teach and I didn't have to do be an executive uh, in, a, in an executive position if there if I could find a way to spend my life just ministering to hurting people and loving on people, that's what I would do. The good news is I can spend my life doing that and so can you guys I want to I want to encourage you with this reminder that it doesn't always pay the bills, but loving people is the most rewarding and I think the most important thing that we can do. Building relationships, getting into the lives of the people that we minister to and loving them. I got to sit at a table this this weekend and talk to the granddaughters of the, of the man who passed away, and these girls are about to turn 17 years of age. I've known them since they were like a month old. And we have a strong relationship, and, and sitting around, and I've been gone from North Carolina for six years now, but we built some strong relationships. And to know that Loving people, though I was, I moved from one ministry to the next. That these relationships last, and that these are strong, and that in when I walked into the room, that it actually helped somebody. I don't know how to. I don't know how to put a price tag on that. I don't know how to put a. Uh, I don't know how to put a price on that. A value. It's invaluable. And as I was driving home, I was thinking about the, the relationships that I'm building here in our church here in Maine. And I, I love the people in our church and building friendships, and we're building relationships. And I'm, um, we're, uh, in March, we will celebrate our sixth year. Time is just passing by so quickly. We'll be at 10 here before much longer. People are what matter. And I know that's trite, that's, that's a, almost a cliche, but people are what matter. I used to hear people say, I think Dr. Hiles said it the first time that I heard it, and then everybody that, that, that was in that arena would quote it as if saying it made it true. That I will not use my work, or I will not use my people to build my work, but I will use my work to build my people. And I think when people say that, I think we, I think we mean it, I think we think it's true, but when we listen to the preaching and we hear uh, complaining about a church attendance or serving in the ministry or... I heard a pastor a couple of weeks ago say that, you know, loving your family, being faithful to your wife, being a good father, working hard, those are not the works of God, but the works of God were all about serving in the church. And this is someone who would say that he uses his work to build his people, not the other way around, but I think that we all can fall into that trap. What does it mean? to use our work to build our people. Even in that, I'm not even sure that's I'm not even sure that's good. I agree that we shouldn't use our people to build our work, but our work to build our people. I, I don't know because people are our work. See that that's the problem. There's the there's the disconnect. That's that's what's inconsistent in that statement. I will use my work to build my people. Your people are your work. Your work is not the building, it's not the church services, it's not the ministries that you offer. None of that is the work. The work is the people. Peter said, feed the flock of God over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Preach the word. Yes, people are our work. People are Christ's work. Paul said, we are are his workmanship, created created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. But God is doing a work in his people. How about this? I will not use my people to build my work, and I will not use my work to build my people, but I will attempt to do a work in my people. How about that? How about just as Jesus Christ was the shepherd of the sheep and we pastors are under shepherds that we would seek to do a work in God's people by stepping into their lives in the good days and in the bad, entwining our hearts with theirs so that we look forward to going to church on Sunday or seeing them throughout the week with the conversations that we have the cards that we write the the notes that we send i want to encourage you guys to make it your life's goal to be in people's lives it it really doesn't matter to me how big of a church we have as far as attendance it really doesn't matter to me now tomorrow it's going to matter to me i know that right like we have a if we have a bad attendance i'm going to be i'm going to be down it is really hard I get it that we can't just, you know, it's like people that say, I don't even see color. I'm just colorblind. No, you're not. You see color. We all see color. What matters is when we see color, what do we do? When we see color, what do we do? We can't ignore it. We shouldn't ignore it. Color exists, and God created people in in different ways and in, with different appearances. But what matters is is if I have to if I have to claim that I don't see any differences in order to treat people the way Jesus would want me to treat them, then that's a problem. I should be able to treat people the way, I, the way God wants me to treat them, no matter what differences I see. I feel like sometimes we never grow up past grade school where we judge everybody based on the, based on the color of their, uh, their, their, their shirt choice or shoes or socks or the, the way that their glasses. I mean, you think about it, right? Think about how kids do this. They will mock and ridicule a child who gets glasses. Glasses! So that they can see better. And instead, kids, because someone looks different, just ridicule them and point out the differences. Kids are like sharks in the water, and any differences are like blood. We all have preferences, and we all have things that we like and we don't like, but people are what matters. And I, we want to see, see God get into people's lives and help them to grow and help them to change, but to be more in Christ's image, not, like, not in our image. I think sometimes we're convinced that we're in Christ's image, and so we need people to look just like us. And I grant you, it is hard, but I'm been, I have been trying in the last few months, and I think God has been doing a work in my heart. I, I hope that he has, but I know I still struggle with this so much. I have been trying to learn to see people for people. That the surface issues don't stop me from, looking, from, from, from seeing the person. Someone with the tattoo, someone with earrings, someone with, with with this, that or the other thing. It's the people that matter. It's the person that matters. And and it's not just, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. But there is, there's a lot of truth in jo- don't judge a book by its cover. When Jesus saw people, remember that, that that passage where it says that he that he he saw them and he had compassion on them for it, they were as a sheep, they were as sheep having no shepherd. Yeah. I don't know what kind of sheep they looked like with black sheep and multicolored sheep and white sheep and fat sheep and skinny sheep and young sheep. They were just sheep and they needed a shepherd. Wouldn't it be nice if God could create in us the kind of attitude that said, I'm just going to love people. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes we can love people who don't come to church better than we love the people who come to our church. This is the same thing that happens in our homes. You know, we can, be, we can be kind to everyone else around us and struggle with the people we live with. And I think, I think that's fine. I think it's fine to struggle with the people you live with. I mean, relationships are difficult, relationships are messy, but sometimes we give other people, perfect strangers, more grace and compassion than the people that are in our own congregation. And many times, I know pastors, and I've been with pastors, and I know pastors, guys, because I am one of these pastors who is sometimes more gracious. In my ministry, there have been times I have been more gracious to a lost person I meet on the street than a child of God who is in my congregation. Times when I have ridiculed um, from the pulpit the way people look in their appearance. Now, I don't do that any, anymore, at least God is my helper, I try not to do that, but there were times that I did. And I want to ask you guys to think, and it's not because everybody's sensitive and everybody's a snowflake, but words do matter, right? And we stand up in the pulpits and we tell fat jokes and we tell jokes about women and we tell jokes about this kind of person or that kind of person or someone who doesn't speak as masculine as we think they should speak, or someone whose clothing choices don't really match our clothing choices, someone whose hairstyle is a little bit different. Listen, it's just hair and it's just clothing. If they're not running around naked, it shouldn't bother us as bad as it does. And I know we should dress up when we go to church, I suppose. There's no scripture that says we should, but tradition says we should. All I'm saying is, amongst all of those tertiary and secondary things that we're having to deal with, let's not lose sight of people, because I promise you, there's no greater work, no greater ministry, no greater calling than to be in the lives of people. And over the last 12 months, this has become really a passion for me. In the last six, it's become a laser focus for me. I love helping people and I want to get better at it. Sometimes I try and I utterly fail, and that's okay because we're all growing. But I left yesterday morning and drove for 16 hours and was so thankful for the time that I was able to spend with that precious family, people I pastored for nearly 11 years. And we built a relationship that is strong still today. I'm not trying to get in the way between them and their pastor, but okay, here that's another good thing, right? Why are pastors so jealous all the time? We all struggle with that, but I recognize it. I'm not trying to horn my way in on a relationship, but I built a relationship with these people, and I love them, and they are my friends, and I am so thankful for long-time friendships and for being with people at times when they hurt. I've said it before on this podcast that one of my favorite things to do is to visit hospitals when people are sick or to go to the home of someone who's about to die and to help a family transition through that time. To be able to go in and speak strength and help in the home of someone whose child has just died or whose parent is sick and at the point of death or someone who's had a broken heart and they just need someone uh, to talk to. I, I love doing that. And if I could find a way, if I could find a way to support my family and do that for the rest of my life, I would. I have a good friend, Kevin Spencer. He and I have been friends for many, many years. Our relationship has grown strong through the years. He has a ministry called Here to Help he actually has a podcast called Here to Help. If you go to your favorite podcast platform and search Here to Help, Kevin Spencer, you'll see that, and you should go and listen to it. I fully fully endorse his, his desire just to help people, to help pastors, to help churches, to help Christians. He has a heart for that. We need more of that. We desperately need more of that. guys, I don't care how big your church is. If your church is small, my church is small. Here's the deal. A lot of pastors with really big churches cannot be in the lives of people like we can. They can be in in the lives of as many people as we can. But if you are a small church pastor, or you teach a Sunday school class, and you just have Maybe you teach a children's class. You say, well, it's kids, it's not adults. You, look, I, again, I sat at that table with those, with, those, with those two teenage girls that are almost 17, and we built a relationship because I knew them when they were babies, and I knew them when they were toddlers, and I knew them when they were, when they were just, you know, seven, eight, and, and nine years of age, and 12 years of age. I knew them, and we built a relationship that has lasted and over the years, I, on their birthdays, I send them uh, gift cards. I remember those things because we built a relationship. You can build a lifetime relationship with young people if you spend time, sit down with the young people. Pastor, let me encourage you to do this. Let me encourage you to, to do your best to connect with the young people in your church, you don't have to know the you don't have to know the, the lingo, you don't have to know the popular phrases. It'd be good if you'd learn them a little bit so you knew what they were saying, but they don't expect you they don't want you to be a teenager, but that doesn't mean you can't connect with them and to make them believe. That that they are important to you. I tell all of our teenagers, you're you're the most you're one you're one of my favorite people. I say that to kids all the time. You are one of my favorite people. I want them to feel like when they walk into the room, somebody cares. And if you teach a Sunday school class, you're not a pastor. You could be in the lives of those kids. You could try to be in the lives of those kids' parents. Parenting is tough and you could be there to be their mentor to be their friend pay attention to the special days and when you he- you know now I know we don't always do this and I'll I'll be honest with you when someone goes through a difficult time even now I wonder should I call should I go by am I going to interrupt and I and here's what I have found I never am interrupting to have someone show up when you're going through something hard and show that they care, is never an inconvenience. You don't have to stay long. I wish I... i I've got to talk more about this, and I know this is an area that God has gifted me in, and I want to be able to help guys to be able to do this better. But it's not about using our work to build our people, as opposed to using our people to build our work. It's about doing God's work in people. And it's not semantics. It does matter. How many you run on Sunday, how many ministries you have, all of these things. If you're yelling at people and angry at people because people aren't showing up to do the ministries that you think are so important, I want you just to take a step back and ask, have I lost my focus on what is actually important? Do we even need a nursery? If we actually needed one that bad, wouldn't there be people doing it? Is there another way to do it? Do I have to prop up this program that we have? Is the program actually getting in the way of people so that I can say, I won't use my work to build my people, but we actually, I mean, my people to build my work, but we actually do. We tell ourselves that by teaching them to serve, we're building them. But what we're actually doing is using our people to build our work rather than saying, God, I want to do your work in your people. Just like God does work in us. We are the pastors. We are the under shepherds. We are the ministers of God. Sunday school teacher, church member. You don't have to be a pastor or a Sunday school teacher. If you're a Christian listening to this and you want a ministry that will break your heart but give you a, the greatest sense of satisfaction and purpose that, that you have ever known, then just start diving into the lives of the people that you work with and are around. And people are starving for someone to genuinely care for them, showing them the love of Christ. That is what matters most, looking past the surface to the heart, seeing people for people and learning to love them as image bearers of God, letting go of our tendency to criticize and to mock and to ridicule and to run down, and making it our goal that if we are the only Christian that they know in their life like that there will be at least one Christian they know who shows them the genuine love of Christ and the care and compassion that Christ would show them if he were here. And he is here because he is in you and he is in me. Let's go show that this week. This is just a little bit of a rambling episode. I'm just sharing my heart with you. It's so full from from the weekend away Saying goodbye to my friend, helping his family, shedding tears and laughter, being in people's lives. There's nothing better than that, and I want to do that with the rest of my life, and I hope you will as well. You might be a poor pastor, but you can really help people if that's your heart. I hope that is your heart, and I hope that you'll join me next week. We're gonna, I'll, we'll are gonna, we get back kind of on a regular track next week, but I'd love to hear from you. Maybe there's an area you'd like me to talk about. Email me, thispoorpastor at gmail.com. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. And I'll see you next week on another episode. Have a good week, everybody.